Do you pay attention everywhere you go? Do you keep up with what's going on around you? Or do you spend your day with your face and your telephone distracted with no idea what's going on around you? We'll talk about that when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, good evening. Good to have you with us tonight. What's our topic tonight, Chris? Tonight we're talking about something very important and we're quite serious about it. It's called situational awareness. We need to be keeping our heads on a swivel. We need to not get focused in on what we're doing to the point that we miss what's going on around us. You know, I love watching people. People watching. People watching. Mm -hmm. And I used to just really enjoy getting a cup of coffee and sitting in the mall and watching them, watching what people do. And I'll do it if I'm sitting in the car somewhere, like if you've run into the store and I'm watching other folks as they're coming out of the store. And some of the problems that I have seen, and you may have seen even more, one is having that face in their phone. They'll exit a business and the phone comes out immediately, and I've seen them step out in traffic. I've seen them run into poles, and it's it's always funny when you're watching somebody walking down the street looking at their phone, and maybe they hit it, maybe they don't, maybe it gets right up to them, and it startles them. But There's a video of a, a teenage girl, she might have been 14 or 15 years old, when cell phones came out and they were really getting interesting, you know, smartphones, and this young lady was walking through the mall with her face planted in her phone and, and completely engrossed in whatever her phone was letting her see, and she stepped right into the fountain. I mean, right <laughs> over the wall and into the fountain with all the pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters, and she got completely soaking wet. I mean, and the reason we know this is because the mall security cameras were on, and so it wasn't that they were tracking her. It just was noticeable that at some point, she's not looking where she's going. She did not see that there was that little half wall there, and she just went right over, and I've you know, I think it went to like America's Funniest Home Videos, but it brings out a serious point. Like what you're saying is that folks have gotten too focused on their little zone, their little world, their little validation, their TikTok videos, their Instagram, their Facebook. And there are people out there who are up to no good and they're looking for that kind of focused person because they're not paying attention to what might be about to happen. And that makes a much easier target. And there's some things that we can do. And and one of the other problems that I see with people is they get to the car and then they dig around in their purse for 15 or 20 seconds before they find their keys. And never looking behind them, never looking around, never paying attention to whatever is going on. And I see the same thing at gas stations. People pumping gas are just absolutely oblivious to other people and their surroundings. That's a big problem. There's a couple that I know that several years ago, they were robbed in broad daylight in a very crowded Walmart parking lot. 
sorry to call out Walmart, but that's where it happened. And this husband and wife were focused on each other and whatever it was they were chatting about. And when they rounded the curve around to where their van door was, some people sprung out. There's like four or five of them, overpowered them, took their wallet, their jewelry, their rings, their money, and even some of their personal items. Right, in, I'm talking three o'clock in the afternoon on a busy, busy day because they were not looking up and looking around. I'm not saying they deserved to get robbed. I'm not saying that. Nobody does. No, of course not. What I'm saying is they did not have their heads on that swivel you keep talking about. Now, that also says a lot about the other people in the parking lot. They were going in and out of the store, focused mm-hmm. on what they were doing, and nobody saw what was going on. Nobody was there to call for help. Nobody was there to yell, maybe scare them off. And we need to be practicing situational awareness. There are basically three elements to situational awareness that if we put these into practice, we'll be making good decisions. That first one is observation. We're observing the totality of the situation, the circumstances. Paying attention to what is. Exactly. And paying attention meaning phones are off, put away in pockets and purses, and dwell entirely in the moment so that you have your eyes and your ears focused and paying attention to the things that are going on around you, even if it looks like there's nothing going on around you. You need to practice that awareness, that observation quality. There are folks that are in prison right now who have admitted that they look for people who are not looking around. Distracted. Their targets are the ones that seem helpless and distracted. Don't don't give the appearance that you're helpless or distracted. Exactly. But when we're in a situation, and, and we're going to relate this, this may be a little bit longer podcast than normal, but we're going to break this down into some very usable things for each of us and paying attention to what is when we're, what is our environment? What kind of environment are we in at that particular time? When we pull up to a gas station, a business, a convenience store, flower shop, anywhere that we pull up to, what's that environment like at that particular point in time? Is it well lit? Is it trashy or is it clean? You know, the parking lot tells you a lot about a business. It does, and you should be observing that. And if you've got a lot of, let me use the word thugs, if you've got a lot of thugs hanging out there at night, then they're not too worried about keeping the parking lot clean. And you shouldn't be anywhere close to them. That, that's the time to drive on. Mm-hmm. Now, when we're coming up to that particular location, just X, Y, Z, pick a place, place you normally go, or, or a type of place that you normally go. And you're pulling up, you you observe the environment. What about observing the people? What are some things that we can look for as we observe the people that may be there at that particular point in time? One thing that you can observe is the manner of dress. And look, 
let's be honest, we're not trying to act judgmental against people here. We're trying to make an assessment to to observe the environment we're about to put ourselves into. Right. And so we're going to advocate very strongly for your safety. So when you hear us talking about making an assessment about how people are dressed, that can oftentimes let you understand what their... I don't know, maybe what their interests are, or maybe what their values are, or maybe what their personal sense of appearance is. Right. If you're in a gang area, are all of these folks wearing the same color? They're displaying that color, Mm -hmm. either in a shirt, a cap, a headband, something. These gangs, they're going to fly their colors. This is a real problem. Right. And so if you pull up, and you see these types of things, you just need to have your your ears and your eyes perk up because spidey this senses. your spidey senses. <laughs> right. Absolutely. This falls under observation. Now, when we're looking at those people, how are they acting? What type of demeanor are they presenting? Are they just propped up on the car? A bunch of good old boys just enjoying hanging out together? Or are they being quite rowdy? Maybe they're flashing some kind of gang signs. Maybe they're shouting and pushing each other around seemingly for fun. But those kinds of things can amp up pretty quick. Absolutely. Now, when you pull in and we're still under observation stage here, are these folks watching you? Yes. How closely are you being observed? It might even be a business next door, but they may be close enough to be seeing your vehicle has pulled up. And they want to know and have a big, more than more than comfortable interest in you. Absolutely. And another thing to pay close attention to, and I've had this happen a couple of times, and I think that it was somebody that was trying to set me up for a robbery in a particular location. And one time it was just walking down a city street, and this guy was coming up, and, and I really do think that he was about to try to rob me. Hmm. Like uh, a mugging. E- exactly. Yeah. But... And I've had it happen in service stations or gas stations in places where, and keep in mind, this was before I was prepping and before half tank was empty. If I'd been today, then I could have gone on down the road 10 miles, no problem. But I didn't have any choice. I had to stop and get gas. And here comes a guy walking toward me out of the shadows. Kind of purposefully, like I mean, what they call a beeline. And he's coming to me, mm-hmm. uh, no doubt. He's coming up to me. And we'll talk about how to handle that situation in a few minutes. We would appreciate it if you would consider supporting our podcast by buying us a cup of coffee. You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practical prep. Observe. Observe the environment you're in. Observe the people that are there. And then the second stage after observation is comprehension. What's the meaning of these observations? What does it mean? Right. You have to, you're beginning to develop and formulate some understanding and some explanation, even some interpretation of what you're observing. You may be right, you may be wrong, but you always want to err, E-R-R, err on the side of caution. Yeah, and, and right here, we're just understanding the the facts. We're, we're, we've observed these things, and we're comprehending what those things mean. And then thirdly, 
we go to projection or extrapolation. We see all of these things, what could happen next. You're processing the information. You're processing the information and you're moving forward because remember, in observation, we're looking at what is. In comprehension, we're understanding what is. And then in projection or extrapolation, we're moving forward to what could happen. What's this information telling me that could happen? It's a projection of possible future events. That helps to form a basis for the decisions and helps to determine what sort of actions you're going to take. Remember, you've got to keep your head on a swivel. A lot of folks say, exactly what are you talking about when you say a swivel? You literally need to do a 360-degree observation with your eyes and your ears in all points around you, in front of you, beside mm-hmm. you, behind you. Be aware. And if you if you happen to catch a glance of someone nearby, look them in the eye. Right. And then keep looking, then keep swiveling around. It helps someone know that I've seen you and you saw me see you. And that's important to do. It That actually can save you later. It really can. Right. And by keeping your head on a swivel... What we're saying here is you can't look just once. You know, circumstances can change. That's true. They can change rapidly as well. They can change very, very rapidly. So those are the things that we're going to put into practice. We're going to observe. We're going to comprehend the meaning of those observations. And then we're going to project into the future of what could happen. Let's talk about some specific situations that we could be in. How about a restaurant? Well, of course, yeah, a restaurant. There's just all kinds, everything from fast food to, you know, high-class fine dining. And these types of restaurants are located all over the county in all different areas of town. And they can be a very popular spot. But you may want to have some sort of a plan ahead of time, particularly when you you enter the restaurant, you also want to take note of the exit areas of these restaurants. Mm -hmm. Some of them are clear and very easy to locate. Others may not be so readily viewable. So you may have to take into account, how did I get in? And if I needed to exit in a hurry, can I exit? Is there more than one way out? If there were a major fire that started. Right, because... Which door am I going? I'm leaving. Yeah, there's... Most of all, we're going to tell you to not engage in a dangerous action unless you absolutely have no other choice. Our advocating is for getting yourself out of harm's way and as far away from danger as you can run. I mean, that's running away from trouble is smart and not cowardly. We're talking about being prepared to survive. Prepared to survive. And that that's the whole idea. I think about the old Wendy Bagwell thing about, you know, where's the back door? Well, I don't think they have one. Well, where do you think they want one? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's time to leave at certain points. Now, here's something that you might consider with your family, and that is to have a code word, a code word that you would not normally be using at a dinner conversation. This is not one that would come up at the dinner table. A very odd and unusual code word. And the example that I heard was rutabaga. (laughs) Rutabaga. It's just not something most people talk about unless you're a rutabaga farmer. I mean, Grandma cooked them, but 
it, that conversation didn't come up if they weren't on the table. Well, if that's a common word for you, then come up with another word. Right. And, and it can be anything, and it needs to be something that your children will understand and recognize that word as well. Now, why would we use that word? If somebody, if you, I, somebody else, prepper, recognizes a situation to where it is time to leave, we speak that word, everybody gets up, and we go out a side exit. Okay. So that's a leaving immediately. That's a leaving immediately Mm -hmm. type situation. You know, when you go into, and we're talking a restaurant here, as you're going in, you know, you, you go and you stand in line for 10, 15, 30, 45 minutes, whatever length of time it takes. And then they escort you to a table. When you're going through that table, are you blindly following that hostess that's taking you to your table? Are you looking around and paying attention and observing the people that are there? And then once you are seated, are you watching and listening to the surroundings? Listening to what's going on, example, you might have voices that start getting higher in volume, higher in volume, (laughs) and you might hear, you might not be able to see it, but you might be hearing this major argument breaking out. It may be time to go out the door right now. Mm -hmm. Gunfights start usually with words, with words. (laughs) Exactly. And Mm -hmm. so when you start hearing that argument escalate in volume, it may be time to look for some place to go, especially if you've got kids, especially if you've got folks that you're responsible for keeping them safe. And we are. Mm -hmm. We're responsible for keeping our children and our grandchildren safe. And you're responsible for keeping yourself safe, too. Well, I'm last one on the list. Kids and grandkids, you, then me. And it's that order in, in my mind. But at that particular point in time, it's time to get everybody to safety. Something to think about, too, is that if if something very cataclysmic breaks out quick, fast, and in a hurry, like an explosion, a fire, something that's just so unforeseen. A gunfight, a major argument going on. Right. Whether it's in someone's control or not in someone's control. I mean, things, unforeseen things happen. There's hundreds of stories to that effect. Do not be fearful of jumping up from your table and running out knowing you have not paid for your meal. You can run to safety and be safe, and then you can settle up your restaurant bill after the fact. Don't worry about that. Even the restaurant owners are not going to stop you. If everybody's got to get out for safety, the restaurant people are getting out too. The cooks are getting out. The manager's getting out. The host and hostess are getting out. Everybody out. And so if you have an opportunity to get out and you need to, don't worry about paying the bill. Honestly, there's some very nice, trusting people that feel like that. Well, I can't do, I, I just don't feel right about, listen, in a dangerous situation, what you need to feel right about don't is your worry. safety and get out right. of there. Be safe. Don't worry about calling the waitress over and getting your ticket right now. No, we no, can, no, no. We no, can no. work that out later. Absolutely. And you're not going to work it out if you're laying on the floor. That's so. true. So your safety comes before anything that you think else has to happen. You know, we've seen shootings in restaurants. We've seen shootings in other places. And the one in Texas at Ludie's restaurant where 
the guy comes in and and I don't remember the details and the number of the people that he killed but if you if something happens and and I don't care if it's actually happened but if you perceive the danger get to safety get your family to safety right if you have to exit through a kitchen through the kitchen if, they've got back doors if you have to break a window uh, you know, find a way. I hope we're not scaring you all to death about going to restaurants because they're all now just kind of opening back up. We know that the percentages of those types of things are extremely, extremely, extremely low. But we are telling you that these stories that we share have happened. Yes, and, and pre- they will happen again. Preppers just need to be prepared. And this is part of being well prepared to keep yourself safe, enjoy life, go out there and have some fun, but realize that you may have to take action once once in a while. Right. And you can teach your kids this. You don't have to scare the kids with if a shooting starts in here, but six, seven, eight years old, you can say, where's the exits? If If something happened and we had to get out quickly, where's the exit? And by seven or eight years old, the kids can read that red exit sign and they know what it means. Mm -hmm. And let's just make them aware, starting at a young age, that if anything happens and I tell you we have to go, we have to go right now, it's an emergency, we're going out this door. And so they need to know where those exits are. And just, you know, it's a shame that we don't go into restaurants and they have a safety briefing like they do on airplanes where they, you know, don't <laughs> show say you a where word, all the, but Yeah, it's the, a little bit different when you're in the air. I understand, <laughs> but, but they make a point of you understanding where those exits are. That's true. That's really not a bad idea. In case of an emergency. Yeah, absolutely. So find those exits and be prepared to keep yourself safe. Hey, listen, I just want to tell you about a couple of books that you need to add to your collection and give as gifts. I highly encourage that you go to Amazon and look up this title, Making Contact During Emergencies. This is information that may save your life or the life of someone you care about. If injured, lost, or found in a disaster or another type of emergency. This book was written by Mark and Krista Lolly. I'm Krista and Mark is my husband. Book number two that we wrote that we're especially proud of and has gotten a lot of buzz is entitled Practical Prepping for Everyday People. This is a common sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. And when we say practical prepping, we mean the type of emergencies you're going to find yourself in day in and day out. Car emergencies, dead batteries, flat tires, storm damage, the roof has gotten blown off. You find that you have no power, no electricity, no devices are working. These kinds of things are happening to somebody somewhere every single day. And we were astonished when we did a little research to find that a vast majority of people found themselves woefully unprepared for one or more of these types of emergencies. And particularly after this COVID year that we've experienced, I think a whole lot more of us are paying closer attention to things like grocery store supply chains, the ability to be able to buy gas, the ability to be able to move freely about, or what's going to happen if we do have to stay home for three weeks solid. Practical Prepping for Everyday People by Mark and Crystal Lolly, also making contact during emergencies. Go to Amazon, look these up, add these to your collection. We sure appreciate it. All right. We're still in the restaurant. We've been seated 
and we're waiting on them to bring us bread and water and take our drink order. So we want to start taking note of just look around, look at the people around you, notice their attire, mainly notice their demeanor. Who are they speaking to? Who are they watching? Do they appear to be nervous? Do they appear to be, do they have that thousand-yard stare, sometimes that faraway look when they appear to be looking at nothing? What do they have with them? And, you know, we're not talking about just in restaurants here. Not necessarily. Right. We're we're talking about make a habit of taking note of people around you. Right. And again, we're not judging people. We're observing them and we're just making some observations. And a lot of times those types of observations are what will save a life. Um, It can. And we discussed in Gray Man looking at the people. When we talk about attire, we're not talking about are they well-dressed or are they wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt. What we're looking at here is are they appropriately dressed? Right. Do do they seem to fit in with the environment or do they somehow seem out of place? Right. I would have had to check on anybody today that I saw wearing a trench coat. Right. In a, on a hot day. When it was 79 degrees, I don't know too many people other than my mother who's going to be putting on a jacket or a coat at 79 degrees. Well, sure. But this is different. We're talking about young people wearing a trench coat in the middle of July. And we're talking about in the mall. We're talking Mm -hmm. about in a business. We're talking about in a in a convenience store. We're talking about walking through a park in the heat of the day wearing that and it's closed. What can be hidden under that coat. Well, here's another thing just to keep in mind if people are still a little bit confused about this. If you're on a hot day in August, let's say it's 98 degrees and you're at the mall and 150 other people are around you at the mall and then this one person walks by wearing a sweatshirt hoodie with the hood pulled up and the long sleeves all the way down and long pants and more shirts under that. I'm paying attention to Don't him. you think you would notice that? And why would that disturb you? Because it just doesn't fit. It's, why would somebody dress that way? It's out of the ordinary. So we're looking at their attire, but we're looking at their demeanor. Right. What are they watching? And as you said a minute ago, are they nervous? Mm-hmm. Do they have that thousand-yard stare? What do they have with them? Is there a backpack that's sitting under the table? And, you know, that'd be a good place to leave some nefarious things in that backpack. Mm-hmm. Or, if they get up and leave, do they take it with them? Right, right, exactly. Especially if they get up and leave and don't take it with them. Right. That would stick out in my mind. Exactly. Now, if they have children with them, depending on the age of the children, okay? Now, we've got a couple of two-year-olds in the family. Mm-hmm. What goes with us everywhere that we go? Well, they're still on diapers. There's still going to be a diaper bag and a bunch of toys. There's a diaper bag that goes everywhere. Mm -hmm. So if they have small children and they don't have a diaper bag, why not? Yeah, what would why would they have a child out in public without the gear necessary? And there there may be a logical reason that, Could be. that they jumped out and ran in to where they had a diaper bag. It, it just there's a number of actual explanations, but it's worth paying attention to. Just observe. You don't have right. to act upon it, but observe and take note. Right. We've covered taking note of people around us. How about when we're entering a parking lot, and we're parking the vehicle. 
this is a very important rule, and this isn't just for ladies, but for gentlemen as well, is that be very aware of where you're parking and whom or what type of vehicle is parked next to you. And I have come to notice, not only from the observations that Mark has given me over the years, but I've seen this in the movies, so you know if it's in the movies, it's got to be real. Just like if it's on the Internet, it's got to be true. There's something about a white, unmarked panel van that just gives me the willies. And I'm not saying that every white, unmarked panel van is bad, but I'm saying that that's usually the vehicle of choice when something bad is about to go down. Seems like that's the vehicle of choice for kidnappers. It just does seem that way. And a lot of times it might be a case where there's this white panel van and then an empty parking space and then maybe a pickup truck right next to that. So you're thinking, that's the parking space I'm going to get. It's the only one. But you've got to really think about that because if you have to park next to the sliding door of that van, it's the door slides, so it can open. And once you open your car door and that door can slide open, you can be grabbed. Action is quicker than reaction. Very, very good. You can be stunned by surprise and stunned into helplessness. Exactly. Because you've parked next to that white panel van. Shock can freeze you. It can. Now, as you're pulling up, can you see into that van? Is it occupied? Mm-hmm. Is your you're pulling in? You know, a lot of vehicles you can see, not necessarily a van, but a lot of sedan type vehicles and pickup trucks. You can see as you're pulling in if that vehicle is occupied. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's occupied, I'm not saying you're in a bad situation. No, because sometimes I've sat in the parking lot in my occupied vehicle absolutely. and Texas or whatever. A- absolutely. But it is a point which should make our ears perk up. Mm-hmm. Now, here's one that's really applicable to me. When I park a vehicle is to get a good landmark for that parking space. Now, it's not just so I can remember where I parked my car. (laughs) You know, if there are numbered parking spaces, I've actually written those numbers down before. But using Walmart Mm -hmm. as an example, am I parked coming straight out of the grocery side? Am I parked straight out from the hardware side? Should I come out this door and angle a little bit to the left, angle a little bit to the right? Approximately how many spaces down am I? Exactly. Am I five spaces down, 10 spaces down, 15? Now, a lot of the Walmarts, they have this big number up there, and you're parked on row number three, three, five, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's good to know that because when you come out of the store, You don't need to be trying to find your car. Right, right. You need to know where it is. And we've all done that. We've all come out and not be able to locate our car for a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. That was not a problem when my pickup truck had a very large ham radio antenna (laughs) on the back that I could talk anywhere. It's a multi-band hustler and i had i think five bands on that thing so it looked like an upside down squirrel cage oh yeah so that's pretty easy to it, spot it was easy to spot and it was about eight foot tall i just came out and looked for the antenna and there it was uh, another good reason to be a ham radio operator not that your wife's going to want you to put that kind of an antenna on the car but that's how i did it but now i pay much more attention to where i parked so i can find my vehicle quicker and easier 
and it just sort of goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you're going somewhere and parking after dark, and you're going to a parking lot, those parking lots have large towers of lights. You really want to have light shining down on your vehicle, even if you have to walk a few paces longer. To be able to park under that light means the cameras are also going to see you so much easier. And the cameras are mounted on those same poles. That's right. And it just, it will make things easier and more secure for you. And I'll tell you this, you do have the right to go inside that store And if you feel unsafe, you do have the right to ask if the store could supply one of their employees, if they would kindly walk with you to your car. And I'll tell you, I've done it, and they're more than willing to oblige me. They may have to make me wait five minutes to find someone who's ready to go. And they usually send the great big linebacker. Oh, yeah. So don't at all feel the the least bit reluctant to ask for just a friendly escort with one of the employees out there because that's something that they, they value their customers, and they're going to appease you if you'll ask them that. So do, take complete advantage of every safety feature that is out there for years for the taking. Absolutely. I mean, it's there for a reason. Okay. Now we've parked our vehicle. We've gone inside. We've bought our two prepper items for this week, mm-hmm. plus whatever we went in to buy. And now we are ready to leave. Let me ask you this, whether it's a big box store in a mall, whatever it is, when you're exiting the business, the mall, doctor's office, whatever. As you go out that door, do you look to each side of the door? Hmm. I will admit that I don't always do that. And that's wrong of me. I need to start my head swiveling right. before I even exit there. I need to go ahead and start looking outside before I leave. And just as you begin to clear those doors, now you've still got time to turn around and walk back in if you have to. But does that head swivel right, then swivel left? Let's just get an idea of what's going on outside Mm -hmm. these doors. Sure. And, you know, it may be Grandpa sitting out there on the bench waiting on grandkids to come out. It may just be shoppers coming in and going out. Mm -hmm. But it could be a fight going on out there, There. and that's time to turn around and go back inside. You don't want to be walking through somebody's tumbling around. Don't get in somebody else's fight. No, no. And don't be in the background in in case they start slinging lead at each other. Let me tell you something that I do before I leave a business, and it's time for me to have my car keys ready. I make it a complete habit to have my keys in my hand before I exit, mainly because it's just time-saving. I get frustrated trying to find something fumbling around in my great big old purse of a bag that I carry, and I don't want to stand around fumble, 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 fumbling around trying to find keys. I want my keys in my hand. I want to walk with purpose. Uh, I want to walk in my... I, I am not on the phone. I am not on the phone. My head is swiveling. My hand is on my keys. I see my car. I'm walking with purpose, and I'm not shuffling, and I'm not hobbling. I am walking as if someone observing me can look and say, hey. She's paying attention. She's strong, and she's able, and she's capable, and she's looking around. And she's redheaded. And (laughs) (laughs) beware. (laughs) But seriously, it's 
I now I feel odd if I reach the door to exit and I don't have my key. I've walked back in, got my key in my hand, and then walked back out. Right. And these vehicles that some of the more modern vehicles, if you have that key fob in your hand, you get within so many feet, then you can pull that door handle. You don't have to push anything. Exactly. You don't have to Whatever use works key. for you. And if you have a push button door lock, hit that door lock. Don't wait till you get up to the door. Hit it when you're 15, 20 feet away, and that just lets you have that door ready to open when you get there. And let me ask you this. As you approach that vehicle, do you ever look in the back seat? I do look in the back seat, and I also look to see if different vehicles are parked next to me now that weren't parked next to me before. And I'm, I, I still look, and it doesn't have to be a white panel van. It could be a navy blue panel van. <laughs> it could just, I just take awareness, I just make it awareness that the vehicles that are parked next to me now are different ones. And I want to take note, do I feel comfortable not only looking in my back seat and front seat, I like to kind of glance down into their car as well. Yeah, and it just makes sense. As you walk up to the car, just glance into the back seat. You're usually coming in from the back of the vehicle. Usually. Most of the Mm -hmm. time. Takes a half a second to look into that back seat. I don't want to find somebody sitting or, or laying in my back seat or laying in my back floorboard. Exactly. That's time to keep walking. Mm-hmm. Let, let's get down here and call for some help. Absolutely. Now, a couple of points I wanted to make here. Looking in the side of the back seat and in the floorboard, and I've said this before, never be taken hostage in a parking lot. Exactly. He has told me this, and I have heard this. Certainly, I hope this never happens to me or you or anybody, but there are times when people do get taken or or they're threatened to be taken hostage or someone, a nefarious person, threatens them with a knife or a gun and says, you know, get into the van. Now, if you get in that vehicle, and, and I'm not trying to make people paranoid, okay? I'm trying to make people prepared, make people think make people observe what's going on around them. But this is just plain and simple. If you get taken hostage, put into that vehicle and taken away from there, the odds go much greater that you're going to be found dead on a deserted highway somewhere, a deserted road in the woods. Right. The, the odds are just not good in that case. So scream, fight, fake a heart attack, fake fainting. Whatever you can do, fight back not to be taken hostage in a parking lot and taken away from there. And here's part of the reason I said you're likely to be found dead on a deserted road later. But if you're shot in a parking lot, you're more likely to get help in just a little bit. Right. And a couple, just a couple of things there. The very first thing some nefarious people tell someone is, don't make a sound or I'll shoot you. Well, since when do you take orders from a thug? You make as much noise as you can. And one of the best things you can do is scream out the words, call 911. Or whatever code for emergency is appropriate for your country. Exactly. what Exactly. Because we do have foreign countries listeners, but make as much noise as possible. Do everything you can to wrench yourself free and just start run zigzag because the likelihood is that they're either not going to shoot or try to harm you because you're now running and getting away and zigzagging. But if you try to just say the word help 
or just scream sometimes, a lot of times that doesn't get nearly as much attention as if they hear someone say, call the emergency number and make a big deal of it because this is a life-saving technique. And it's been proven time and time and time again. And that faking a heart attack, Mm -hmm. I got on scales today and I hate to say it topped out at 220 pounds after I removed the <laughs> amount of weight that I was wearing for my belt and all of that. So you almost had a real heart attack. It was 240 pounds, and I was wearing about 20 pounds of equipment. So mm-hmm. I've got 25 pounds to lose. But if I fake a heart attack, nobody's going to be wanting to drag this old boy off into a car. You know, right. that that's dead weight. Yeah, exactly. That's dead weight. They may rob you. Let them rob you. Let them take what they want. If they want your keys, your purse, throw them as far as you can throw them. Make them work for it and so you can run the other direction. Or throw it straight at their face. Absolutely. All right. Now let's talk about if somebody jumps into your vehicle. Like you're behind the driver's You're behind the steering wheel. And you forgot to lock the door and somebody jumps in and they're carjacking. And they say, and they put a a gun to your neck and they say, drive me where I want to go. Well, you know, you're the one driving. Okay. So you're in wherever you may be in that big Walmart parking lot. And they say, drive, drive over here, drive over there. Well, you're the one driving. So you need to drive. You make sure your seatbelt is on. You've got to be safe. Step number one, put that seatbelt on. We're not talking about the law here. We're, (laughs) We're not talking about, you know, click it or ticket, you know, buckle up, whatever. Because of what we're about to do, you want that seatbelt and your shoulder strap on. Mm-hmm. And cinch it down a little tighter because we've got a surprise coming. Because you you can go ahead and hit the gas and you need to find a safe light pole or a brick wall or something where no other people can get hurt. But you need to ram that vehicle into a structure and you need to be safe doing it. You need to hit it hard. You need to understand that that might bump your head. It might get a cut but you're not going anywhere with this thug who's just jumped into your car. Exactly. And, you know, he's already inside the car. So what do you do? If you drive him where he wants to go, odds are you're not going to make it to work the mm-hmm. next day. You don't have to be a nice get-along-go-along get person. You no. are fighting for your life. And cars can be replaced. Sure. And if you center one of those concrete light poles. It's going to mess your car it's up. It's going to mess the car up. And that thug, if he's, if he's conscious, he's going to run. Now, I will guarantee you he did not buckle up his seatbelt. I promise you he did he not. He did not buckle <laughs> up his seatbelt. So, and, and don't tell him, buckle up before we leave. <laughs> You want to buckle yours up. Hopefully, you've got an airbag. You hit that thing at 30 miles an hour. It's going to rattle his cage, and you're going to have a minute to be able to get away there. So hit it hard, hit it fast, and then run. Now, let's talk about pulling up to gas pumps. Yes, you've got to be really careful about the gas station you pull up to. It's like Mark said, there's sometimes when you're so far below E, you know you're not going to make it home. Well, you're going to have to get gas somewhere, but you really want to be able to make good choices and remind yourself later to not ever get in that position again. But do pick a well-lighted, well-known, busy location as safe as you can possibly find. And then Do those things, start to observe and comprehend and then project so that you can understand what's going on around you. And while you're out there pumping that gas, look around, look around again and keep looking around. Right. And while and, and that leads us into this, the debate is whether you lock the car when you get out of it 
Do you lock your family in it? Do you leave the keys in it with your family? I'll often do that with you. Uh, Lock me out. Mm -hmm. I don't do this at the gas pump, but my head's on a swivel. I know if anybody's around, and I know you're watching while we're sitting there as well. But at this point, don't allow anybody to approach closely to you. Right. If they're trying to ask a question, they can ask that question from 35 feet just as well as they can from five feet. Yes, and this is a time when, again, we don't want to be misunderstood here with what we are telling you, because a lot of times you just have to make a decision on, even if you're mistaken about the person, you just want to act in a way that's protective of yourself. And if a lot of times with ladies alone, I have been approached in parking lots and gas stations by some by women and men and i can tell immediately here comes the sob story of i'm out of town and it's always the same story and i need ten dollars to do this or whatever and i continue to try to put distance between me and that person and to the point that if I'm walking away and I'm not engaging them. I'm not even trying to actively listen to them. I'm watching them, but I am not engaging them. At some point, I will become forceful and I will put my hand up and I will say, stop. Do not come any closer. And you do not have to use a nice voice. You need to use a voice that says, stop. Do not come any closer. It's better to be perceived as a jerk Absolutely. and be safe Absolutely. than it is to wind up robbed or dead. See, like I know that. people I know people that are very trusting, tender hearted, precious, generous people who believe that everybody's good and nobody's bad, and these are the ones that become victims. Right. And I want to stop that. And I don't trust anybody but you and you most of the time. You're not real sure about me, are you? <laughs> Redhead. Genuinely, when there are people out there that are genuinely asking for help, they're not going to, to approach you in an unsafe way. And they're going to respect your personal space. And we're just saying that there are times when, and I think you did this one time, Mark, to somebody, not in my presence, but you actually saw a man, he was making that beeline to you, and you finally had to take some steps. Exactly. I I told him, stop. I held up my hand, and I said, don't come any closer. And I actually reached my right hand back behind my right hip. Now, he can think what he wants. Yes, I was armed. It's at this point, you don't want to be coming closer. I'm not going to be a victim tonight. And don't ask, don't bother to ask them what they want. You don't care what they want, because if they're up to no good, it's what it's you're what they want, your money, your life, your safety, whatever. And you just don't need to play the nice, generous, tenderhearted person sometimes. If you're uncomfortable, especially ladies, if the strange man is approaching you and you know it just doesn't feel right, you need to be proactive. You don't wait for him to get within a grab's reach of you. Yeah, this isn't about what they want. This is about what we want, Mm -hmm. and we want to survive safely. And we want our space respected, and we want bad guys to know that that they're on notice. Absolutely. Okay. How about when we're at an ATM? What have, what have you noticed or, or what should we be doing 
as we approach an ATM? Well, ATMs, they're either outside or some of them are inside a bank foyer. Like even after hours, there's an open foyer. You just need to know, are there other people there? Are they just hanging around or are they doing business? Again, this is a very important time. It's hard sometimes to keep your head on a swivel when you're at an ATM, but you've just got to learn how to do that. And if you can take someone else with you, that's even better. Because a lot of times ATM muggings happen when you're alone. If you and I go to an ATM, and what you're saying here is if you and I go to an ATM together, then I'm watching your back. I'm not paying the least bit of attention to what the transaction's doing. Mm -hmm. My sole purpose is to watch your back. Mm -hmm. I'm watching our surroundings. But if I'm pulling up, and, and you mentioned the ATM that's inside the bank door, if there's somebody in there doing business, I'm not going to open that door and walk in behind them. Mm-mm. I'm going to give them the same courtesy that I want. If somebody comes up, and I'll see them come up, but I don't want them opening the door and coming on in. A lot of those foyers are very small. It's enough room for about three feet on each side of that ATM. And you should go right back to your car because if you stand outside while that person is getting their cash, they're going to think you're trying to rob them. So distance yourself from that person and help them understand you are not there to rob them or take their money. What would make you feel better if somebody else walked up? So keep that head on a swivel Mm -hmm. and don't be totally focused on that transaction. Now, good thing is there are drive-up ATMs, and if it's possible to use one, you need to do that. Yeah, they are very convenient, pretty safe, and cameras on, and those have been very convenient. So even when you pull up to one, make sure that all your doors are locked, because if your doors are not locked and there's somebody that can come around from the the rear backside area where you're not looking, well, your doors are unlocked and you've just offloaded $1,000 in your hand and here we go. And while you're there doing your transaction at this drive-up ATM, keep an eye on your side mirrors. You can see anybody sneaking up beside you. And I have been known to readjust my side mirrors, which you can do remotely in most vehicles now. Lower that mirror just a little bit so I can see if anybody were to be approaching from either side crouched down. Crouched down. Mm -hmm. So I can raise those mirrors back up before Mm -hmm. I go into traffic. But as I pull in, I check that mirror and I'll just drop it down a little bit. I'll check the other mirror and I'll drop it down a little bit. I'll just keeping my head on a swivel there and working on the transaction I may put in a PIN number, and then I may look back at the mirrors, and then I may look over and put in how much I want. I don't pull up and become totally focused on that transaction Mm -hmm. and miss somebody approaching the vehicle. And again, get off the phone. People, people, all of this people being on the phone every minute. You've got to get off that phone. And if you perceive a problem, drive off. Drive off if Mm -hmm. necessary. You can go back to the ATM. Right. Most of the ATMs today will give you your card back before it does the transaction. And the reason is people were driving off, leaving them in the machine, and the bank had to take them out the next day and had to get it back to you. So you've already done what you were going to do with getting your card in and stuff. And if you have to drive off, drive off. 
You can come back around, you can go to another ATM, whatever, but money is not worth your life. It is not. Let's cover a couple of more points here. When we're returning home, we've gone to the big box store, we've stopped back by the drive through ATM on the way home, and we're on our way home. So what are some of the things that we need to do here? Well, sometimes people get the idea that they're being followed. There are times when I'm following somebody and wherever they're turning, I happen to be turning and it looks like I'm following them when I'm really not. But it it can be a perfectly innocent thing that someone is going exactly the same turns you're going. But if you just left the ATM, if you just left the ATM or if you've just made a great big purchase and you've got that 72 inch TV that's been sticking out of the back of the sticking out of the back of the car. And now somebody it once you kind of get the feeling that they're really are following you, particularly if they're turning down your particular street. Well, if you suspect they may be following you, you don't need to be turning down your street. No, you need to be going somewhere else. One of the things that you can do here is that you can make some extra turns. You Mm -hmm. can turn away and Find another turn to make that's not the one you're going. If you make two or three of those, then you very likely have somebody that's following you. Mm -hmm. I actually had a guy follow me, and this has been probably 40 years ago now. And I stupidly led him to the front of our house. (laughs) And I mean, he was literally following us. But now when I got out of the vehicle, I told my family to stay in the vehicle And when I got out of the truck, I kept the truck between me and him, but there was a 45 resting on the top of the bed. And it's like, don't mess with me here. Mm -hmm. But I had messed up because I had not studied situational awareness. Mm -hmm. And I had not even considered that somebody might be following. If I had, I would have gone straight rather than turning down my street. And I would have made a couple of other turns through there and find out if they're following me. Now, with the advent of cell phones, and we've actually done this as police officers, we've had somebody, usually an ex-boyfriend or something that's following somebody. They get us on the line. Dispatcher gets us. Dispatcher, uh, we will tell them to drive to drive toward Walmart. And they will be driving to where we tell them to go, and guess what? We're waiting. Yes. So you can call for assistance, and if that assistance is available, just follow their directions. They'll talk you right in to where they can introduce themselves to whoever might have been following you. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do that, then drive to well-lit areas, that gas station that's got 110 pumps out there, pull up, start blowing your horn, whatever. Get attention, but don't go home at that particular point until Mm -hmm. you are sure you are not being followed. Absolutely. Now, with that, if you're pulling up to the house, what about if there's some strange vehicles at your house or even near your house? Well, this is where you're really trying to be very observant of what you perceive to be in or near your dwelling. If you're coming home and you look up and there is a vehicle in your driveway and you don't recognize it from anybody, you're not expecting anyone, 
you don't understand why somebody could be in your driveway, the impulse is to pull up, figure find out, out who, what they're doing, find out what's who going they on, are. Who's, who's in the driveway. And particularly if you don't see if there's anybody sitting there, they could be in your backyard or something. Or in so your house. Please resist the urge to investigate this on your own. If you're not certain of why there's a car out on the curb or in the driveway of your home, or if they just seem to be parked in such a way that just gives you an uncomfortable feeling, drive on out and go to a place away from your home where you can call the dispatch. You you can call the police, and, and it's okay to sit five houses down sure. to where you can keep an eye on your driveway. Mm-hmm. You want to see if they leave. Pull on down. Park somewhere four or five houses down to where you can see your driveway, and that way you can let the police know if they've left or if they're still there. And if they do leave, get a good description of the vehicle. And I do mean a good description of the vehicle. Don't tell them it's silver and it winds up being beige. Yeah, or, you know, if if it's dark, it might be hard to tell if it's blue or black. I understand that. And don't go chasing that vehicle. No, no, no. Don't go chasing that vehicle. That's not your job. Okay, I know we're going long here tonight, but... It's a lot of stuff to cover. It's a lot of stuff to cover, but we're not far away. Let's understand that some of these principles, or all of these principles, apply not only in our daily lives, but in SHTF situations as well. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Observe, interpret, or comprehend those, and then project what could happen from there. You're not going to have ATMs in a major SHTF situation. If the grid is down. Right. But all of these same principles apply. You may need to be being aware. Now, try saying that. You may need to be being aware of factors besides people. What's the situation? What are we looking at here? It could, you know, we could be bugging in and the river could be rising. We need to be paying particular attention to the water levels because at some point they could come into the house. Mm -hmm. We could have the same thing with a brush fire. We need to be keeping up with what is going on, observing, comprehending, and projecting the outcomes of what may be. We just share all of these things with you because we want you to have an understanding that you have to be proactive with your safety. You have to be a very responsible and aware person when you're out and about in public because, sad to say, we share a world with folks that have nefarious intentions. And sad to say, many people become victims and they regret later that they weren't as watchful or as aware as they should have been or could have been. And situational awareness lets you make decisions based on good information. When we've got good information, we can make good decisions. If we've been going through the day with our face in the phone, and we look up and the S is about to HTF, (laughs) what do we do? We don't have any information of what's going on because we have not been paying attention. Whole point, stay aware of the situation, keep your head on a swivel, and this will help you to make better decisions based on good information. Anything else you want to add tonight? I think that about covers it. We'll see you next time. 
We wrote Practical Prepping for Everyday People to help those who want to get started prepping or who want to take their prepping to the next level. If you enjoy this podcast, you likely have friends who would enjoy it as well. We would appreciate it if you would share the podcast on your social media accounts. The direct link is in the show notes. And as always, stuff happens. Stay prepared.